0: Welcome to will Write for Wine, a podcast about wine, writing, and song, but mostly wine and writing, with your hosts, Samantha Graves and Lonnie Diane Rich. Take it away, girls.
1: Thank you, Thank Wanda. you Wanda. Welcome to will Write for Wine. This is Samantha Graves. And this is Lonnie Diane
2: Rich. We're here to talk to you about wine and writing.
1: In today's episode, will be on writer myths. We're going to set the record straight on the most common writer myths out there.
2: Yep, because we hear a lot of them. Yeah, and that's all later in the program, but first things first, First things we first. have wine. Yes, we have wine. Sam, what are you drinking? Tonight, I'm drinking
1: a 2005 Chianti from Ruffino Estates, mm-hmm. and uh, if you can't tell, it's Italian. Mm-hmm. It is light, yet complex, with flowery notes.
2: Okay, now answer <laughs> something for me. Because when I describe my wine, I'm like, it's $11. <laughs> For a magnum. Like, that's my description. You come up with, like, these complex with flowery notes kind of thing. Like, are you reading that off the bottle, or are you actually, uh, actually sipping it and, and making that assertion yourself?
1: Uh, well, part of it, I sipped it and made that assertion myself, mm-hmm. the light mm-hmm. part, and then the rest I got off their website. Okay. <laughs>
2: Hey folks, at least she's willing to admit it. You know, I actually right. um, i don't i don't do that. I I you know I'm like it's red or it's white. It's either dry or it's not. But um, what are you drinking? Oh, my wine tonight is one of my all time favorites. You know, I I tend to kind of you know I I kind of steer to the to the whites a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I like the whites a little bit more. But um, I'm a big fan of this. It's um, Echelon Pinot Noir. Ooh, it's a red which it is it's a red and um it's um let me see oh do they have anything approachable it's approachable oh, I It's love, approachable i love when they anthropomorphize the wine <laughs> it just totally you know like uh, i don't know like think of approachable and fruit like what would be an unpro- unapproachable unapproachable wine? exactly well they're not gonna i've never it bad, met an un- un-
1: unapproachable wine
2: exactly but it's approachable and fruit forward Oh, what that's does another that good one. Fruit I don't know,
1: but they've got Dash great forward. writers.
2: Don't they have great writers? I, I think so. <laughs> but fruit forward. <laughs> fruit like, what fruit does fruit. that mean? Is that like forward, the fruit is outgoing? I mean, is that like, what is... No, it means that that's what you
1: taste first when you, when you, when you sip it. She's so smart, so you get people. the fruit first, and then <laughs> you get the finish after that. So it might be, you know, a dry finish or a slow finish or...
2: You know. I get it. Uh, well, not yeah, really. Yeah, I'm yeah. actually pretending to get it. I don't get it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> our approachable and fruit-forward, our Pinot Noir offers rich aromas of Bing cherry and Bing fresh cherry. clove. Whereas huh. my description is it's red, it's in my glass, and I <laughs> like it. I got this um, this Pinot Noir a couple of years ago. I had this situation when, oh, 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 and I said, I have to tell everybody this, and I promised um sam well actually sam didn't say anything but i i think she should be thinking is that I, i'm way too chatty like i just go on and on and on i have a story for everything it doesn't matter what I wasn't the situation thinking it. Is. I you wasn't weren't thinking, thinking it. it i was thinking it for you because you know how you assert like your own you project your own insecurities onto other people and you think that they're saying things like somebody says hey uh-huh. how are you and you're like nothing's wrong with my hair you know <laughs> and uh so i've, I've kind of got this thing about being chatty but anyway this particular Pinot Noir, I almost got killed getting. I have to tell you the story. I was in Syracuse, and this was when I was living more in the city, and I was down on Brighton Avenue, and the only, I had this this recipe I wanted to make, it required Pinot Noir, the only place I could find open, it was like a Sunday night or something like that, was this place down on Brighton Avenue, which is not, you know, for the people who know Syracuse, maybe not the best <laughs> area of town to be traipsing along on a Sunday night, and I go at in the there. At the liquor store. Exactly, at the liquor store. Yeah. At the liquor store, off the you know eighty one shoot off, it's like it's, a, it's like the one area. Like if you're going to get killed in Syracuse, boom, that's the place to go, right? The place that's called liquor store. Exactly. So I go, I go, and I drive into this like tiny strip mall. It's like two, you know, there's like a liquor store and like a you know video place, video but, store. Exactly, yeah. but not like a blockbuster. Like you know, mm-hmm. you know Uncle Harry's video <laughs> rental with like the dirty movies all over the place. You know this kind of place. So I I drive in and I'm so determined to get this Pinot Noir, and as I drive up. I swear to God, three guys come shooting out the door, and the owner comes out cocking a shotgun. I'm not even kidding. (laughs) So immediately I turn around and I drive out to my old liquor store from my Syracuse University days down on Westcott, which is like another 30 minutes away. It was the only other place that was open. I walk in. I grab the first bottle of Pinot that I find. I don't even care if it's good. I have no interest. I just want to buy it and get home and make this stupid pork. And drink it. And drink it, exactly. <laughs> so then I go into this place at the at the university after almost getting killed on Brighton Avenue and, um, and buy this bottle. I'll just grab it. It's the first one I saw. And to this day, my favorite Pinot Noir ever. I love it. It's mm-hmm. so, it's kind of, it's sort of See? sweet and yet sort of dry. It's kind of like riding that line right in the middle. And mm-hmm. um, and I love it. So if ever there was a Pinot Noir to get shot at for, this <laughs> is the one. That would be it. <laughs> <laughs> Story I just breaking. basically <laughs> went into
1: the, my local liquor store and said, you got
2: a good Chianti. He goes, here. <laughs> See, that was a much more simple process. And again... A story that was nice and succinct, Uh Uh had a beginning, middle, and end very easily. Yeah. See, this is how you can start telling the difference between me and Sam because I will go on and on. But anyway, I'm not going to go on any longer because we are going to head out onto our break and we will see y'all back here in just a minute.
0: We here at Will Wright for Wine feel it's important to say that while we totally recommend drinking while podcasting, we do not recommend drinking while driving or drinking while emailing, trust us on that one, or underage drinking or drinking too much or, for that matter, drinking too little. Drink just the right amount like we do and you'll be happy like us. So just use common sense, and if you do something really stupid while drinking, like for instance calling your old boss and telling her she's an idiotic blowhard who couldn't do your job even if she had half a brain, then we just want to make it clear between all parties that it's really not our fault.
2: All right. This is Will Wright for Wine. Thanks for hanging out with us. This is Lonnie, Diane Rich, and Samantha Graves. Excellent. We are moving into our reader slash listener question portion of the program, and my question comes from Cheryl in Toronto. Hey, Cheryl. How are you? From Cheryl, do you choose wine based on taste or where it comes from? And my answer would have to be really neither. (laughs) I I choose my wine um, based on the lowest price per volume, short of the, um, again, the screw-on cap and the box and the booze. Although, actually, Uh, Anne from Australia had some issues with the screw-on. Hi, Anne. Hi, Anne. Had some issues with the screw-on cap. She left a comment on the website that the screw-on caps are sometimes okay. So you know what? In in honor of Anne, the next time I go to the store, I'm going to deliberately buy a bottle with screw-on cap all right, just gotta make and sure it's more than more than three dollars. <laughs> it's more than three dollars. <laughs> Wait, but the whole price per volume thing let's get back to that okay so basically <laughs> I base my choices back to Cheryl on um, on the lowest price per volume uh, I, I lack the sensitivity to be able to tell good wine from bad I don't know if you guys have figured out my complete lack of panache in this area in this area but um, I've had some quote-unquote good wines um, that tasted like ass and some quote-unquote <laughs> cheap wines that I could just drink like Kool-Aid so I figure if I can't tell the difference any, well, any anyway I I might as well just go cheap. So um, it's partially why I, I've never learned anything about wine, because once you start learning about uh, about something, you sort of become snobby, which is not really you know necessarily a bad thing. It just means you know you start to have actual taste, uh-huh. and uh, and I can't afford it, so I don't I don't do that. Sam, Sam, what about you? How do you choose your wine?
1: I would love to be a wine snob, but I can't afford it either. So uh, so my goal in life is to find a great bottle of wine for ten to fifteen dollars you know, a real gem, a real find. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, if I have extra cash, I have no problem spending 30 to $40 on an, on an excellent red. Mm-hmm. I've had some really good Merlots and Pinot Noirs that, uh, that were in that range. And, and, I mean, I could tell the difference, but um, then again, I've been drinking wine now for about uh, seven years and uh, started shortly after I started writing. Hmm. Does that make you wonder? <laughs> A coincidence? I think not. I think not. I think not. <laughs> but to answer the question, I choose wine based on the taste. Uh, I also read those little those little wine rating tags. I love those. I Do would those like... Are those
2: accurate? Do you yeah, find? Yeah, I it, think like...
1: they are. I think they are. And I've bought some some really nice wines with you know I go about the ninety ninety two if I can get that mm-hmm. for under ten bucks I'm there. Oh well, so... for under
2: ten bucks, yeah, I'd be there. Oh too. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> And if all else fails, <laughs> about the money. Yeah, <laughs> I flagged down the uh, the local my local uh, liquor store owner for a suggestion because he knows me.
2: <gasps> That's a wonderful thing to have. It
1: really is, and a it's funny store because owner I knows your taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I go in there and um, and I, I remember like it was one of the first times I went in. They just opened, mm-hmm. and. Um, and I kept going, coming back to the counter and dropping off bottles. And, and when I got all done, uh, he looked at me and said, you know, it's cheaper if you buy it by the case. <laughs> <laughs> he does know you. I said, yes, but I don't want to look. I don't want it to look really bad.
2: <laughs> Can they deliver it directly to your house?
1: <laughs> no, but you know what? Most liquor stores will give you a 15% discount or some kind of discount if you buy a whole case of the same wine.
2: You know, I really need to do that because I have my I staples. You know, I yeah. have my really my cheap Lindemans and my my Echelon, uh Pinot Noir that I, that I'm completely addicted to. I always have one or the other in my in my little wine stock. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, that's that's very very cool. Well, yeah. I gotta say, you know, one of the things you gotta have is a liquor store owner who knows your taste. We just moved to a new town, so I'm working on my uh, my local liquor store babe to kind of start hooking me up. There you go. Yeah. There you so. go. So good. anyway, the next segment is going to be the writer question. The
1: writer question, yes, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm, I can't remember who sent this to me, and I should have written it down, but I will put it on the website. Mm-hmm. Uh, the question was for multiple book contracts: what do you need to provide to the publisher, as far as you know what they what they will buy off of? And, um, and this question comes back to, it depends on whether you are published already. Mm-hmm. If you're published and you have a record um, of, of, of being published, uh, most publishers will buy On Proposal, mm-hmm. which is the first three chapters and the synopsis for the first book, uh, synopsis for the other books, and uh, an overall synopsis if it's, um, if it's a series. Or just what you jot down on the napkin at the bar. <laughs>
2: It depends on your editor. I think (laughs) Nora Roberts can pretty much be, I had a thought, and they're like, okay, let's go with that. It's good, yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm
1: -hmm. Now, if you're unpublished, you usually need to have the entire first book and the synopsis. for uh, the other, for, for any other books that you have, if it's yes. a multi book, but usually you have to have the first one completed.
2: And my recommendation has always been for anybody out there who's been to any of my workshops or has listened to me gab on, you know, at the bar. Um, usually, I, I would say. Always have your first book completely done, finished, polished before you start querying anybody, before you start Mm -hmm. talking to agents, before you start talking to editors, because you never know, somebody's going to be like, give me the full. Right. And you want to be able to say, absolutely, and do it right that minute rather than make them wait. Because in, you know, six months, they're not going to remember who you are, whatever enthusiasm they might have had for the project, the market changes, their, you know, what they want to do change. Maybe they bought a book similar to yours in the meantime. It's the kind of thing that you really don't want to lose that momentum and lose that opportunity. So I, you know, I would say absolutely have your entire first book done before you even start talking to people. And a lot of people don't like to do that because publishing does move really, really slow. You know, you can query somebody and not hear from them for three months. Three months? (laughs) Being optimistic. (laughs) three months. I'm trying not to scare them, Sam. Oh, okay, you sorry. don't tell them the truth until after they've been published. Then you're like, dude! Um, but uh, but no, I mean, I, I, I just really heartily recommend that. A lot of people mm-hmm. don't like that advice, and I completely respect there are people who are able to do it without listening to me, but you know, it'll just be better if you listen to me because well, I know everything. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I am the all-wise Lonnie, and you must listen to me. I am the Dalai well, Lani. Yes. And,
1: and, and, you know, we can tell you from experience that it's, it's a lot easier to write a book when you're not under pressure than it is when you are, what did I say? It's a lot easier to write a book, yeah, when, when you're when not, you're not under, pressure, under pressure. You were right. As to be being... You were doing great. And then it just
2: skipped <laughs> up there. But that was Awesome. <laughs> right up until you screw it up, <laughs> but you
1: were doing great. But it's it is harder to finish your a uh, book, especially your first book. Mm-hmm. You know, with that kind of pressure, just yeah. write it, enjoy it, and then get it out there. Exactly,
2: because yeah. it's going to take yeah. a long time anyway. I mean, it's right. gonna the whole process of getting published. Is you, you have to be really dedicated and you have to put so much time and energy and everything into it. It's going to take forever anyway. It is. And, and my piece of advice would be
1: when you finish that first book and you get it all polished and it's ready to go, send it out and then start the next book. Mm-hmm. Don't sit Absolutely. there and wait. Just keep Absolutely. writing because you yeah. never know. You never mm-hmm. know what they might want next. Exactly. You know, they and may say, yes, we want this and we want whatever else you've got.
2: Mm -hmm. So it's always nice to have something else. Yeah, and if you've got some momentum going... You know, Mm -hmm. if you've just written a book, I mean, I, you know, after a book, because I always, okay, Sam, cover your ears, because I always run screaming into my deadline, (laughs) like I always need a break after, but it's nice if you can kind of get some, some real solid momentum going, like Mm -hmm. if you can write every day, you know, I mean, there's some people who finish a book on Wednesday, and they start a new one on Thursday, and I think that that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I don't do that, because I've usually killed myself by Wednesday. (laughs) By Wednesday, I'm hanging on to life by a thread when I finish the book, so I need to kind of, you know, breathe a little bit. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, that concludes our
1: mail segment. Mm-hmm. Um, up next, a new segment called We Recommend.
2: We recommend, yes, this is where uh, Sam and I share things that we enjoy that we thought maybe you would enjoy. Because if you like us, you'll probably like this stuff, is kind of our theory on it. And also mm-hmm. just that I, I'm i a big proselytizer. <laughs> when I like something, I want to tell people about it. Like my Echelon Pinot Noir, which you can That's find it. at www. Actually, I don't know what the <laughs> website is, but it'll be on the show notes at www. right. www.willwriteforwine.com. You can find anything you want. But uh, what I am recommending this week is something very near and dear to my heart, um, mostly because of John Krasinski because he's so hot. But it's um, The Office, which Mm -hmm. is a show that Sam actually, I'm a big television watcher and Sam is not. No, um, so I keep talking to her about these shows. She's like, "Yeah, that's really great." So now I have to share it with somebody, and I know you guys, you Office fans out there, can go ahead and write to me and tell me how much you love Jim. I love Jim. The Office is um, it's on NBC on Thursday nights, and it's based on the uh, British um, version of the, of the same show that was done by uh, Ricky Gervais, um, and it's just completely brilliant show. I mean, the Ricky Gervais version is it's almost so painful it's about basically about a paper company and there's a boss who is almost just so painful to watch like he has no social skills he's emotionally 12 years old he's all id you know I mean just like this unbelievably insane character to watch and yet you can't help but love him and that's how I feel about Michael Scott who's played by Steve Carell for those of you saw the 40 year old virgin or uh, Little Miss Sunshine he was the uh, Proust scholar (laughs) in uh, Little Miss Sunshine and um, just one of the most adorable people on the planet and no matter how horrible he is you can't help but just love him in this in this show and also again john krasinski is the guy who plays the uh the gym character who is this unbelievable like beta male hero and you know how i feel about my beta guys i know you love your beta guys i love my beta guys and that's the kind of guy he is and they've got this whole romance going with the receptionist i just love it so you have to watch the office (laughs) nbc thursday nights Take it away.
1: <laughs> what do you recommend, Sam? This week, I'm going to recommend a CD called Dreaming Through the Noise by Vienna Tang. It's T-E-N-G. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a fabulous CD. It's uh, haunting, hauntingly beautiful. What kind of music and, uh, is it? I think it's more New Age type music. Is it like an Anya kind of thing? Anya no, Is it Anya? No, What's not, her name? Yeah. not mm-hmm. like that. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe I guess you would call it um, uh, Adult Alternative. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And uh, it's fabulous. It's mm-hmm. fabulous. I've been listening to it a lot while I've been writing this book. Oh, that's it's good. It's really, really good. And I found it on Amazon mm-hmm. going through their,
2: you know, you click through, you can listen to the, to the CDs. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's where I found it. Oh, well, that's very cool. See, again, Sam is so much more succinct than me. I think <laughs> if anybody went through and analyzed these segments, they'd be like, Lonnie, blah, 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 for five minutes. Sam's like 30 seconds. Boom, in, out. She's done, people. alright so while I try to learn how to keep it short we're going to go to break and we will be back in a minute
0: a sexy international art thief with a license to steal and a past she can't escape an ex-cop with a murder to avenge and nothing left to lose a calculating killer launches a deadly game From the heat of Havana to the streets of New York City, the race for justice is on. Sight Unseen by Samantha Graves. Available April 1st at a store near you.
1: And we're back. Yes, we are. Yes, and I wanted to, uh, to say that our writer question came from Kim Holsey.
2: Hi, Kim.
0: Hi, Kim.
1: Thank you very much. We appreciate it. And uh, for our second episode, we are going to talk about writer myths. Yes,
2: because they are so important.
1: And there are so many. And
2: there are so many. There are so many. <laughs> the way people imagine the writer life to be as opposed to what it really is like, which is pretty much
1: exactly like what you guys yeah, live. Yeah, only a little so. crazier and, well, maybe not crazier, but...
2: Well, it's a, we're a writer it is yeah. I think writers yeah. are, generally to be a writer, you have to have a certain amount of crazy mm-hmm. rattling around in your head, mm-hmm. and uh, and we fit the bill. And so. you have to have
1: uncommon focus and concentration mm-hmm. skills. Oh, yes. I've written with my kids at karate class. Mm-hmm. So, uh, uh, anyway, the first uh, point we have is writers write when the muse strikes them, <laughs> and uh, yeah, and this is one of those myths that I only wish were true. Oh, God, no kidding. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no. Uh, my muse apparently is oblivious to the whole contract deadline concept. <laughs> no idea mm-hmm. when, uh, when, I really need, when I really need her, you know. Yeah. So there's many a day when I sit down to the computer and I'm bone tired and have to drag her out of bed or the bar or wherever she might be. Mm -hmm. Uh, to get something accomplished so uh, and because I work uh, three days a week sometimes I have to write at night and it's it's tough you know I mean you're tired Mm -hmm. after the day and um, but I write uh, I write when I feel well I write when I don't Mm -hmm. Um, you know I just I think sometimes you have to just work through it you just have to get started I think the hardest thing is just opening up the file and getting going on it
2: it is and it's extremely intimidating you wouldn't Mm -hmm. think it would be that exhausting to sit at a computer and type (laughs) but it really is because you have to pull that muse out and and Mm -hmm. my muse has this certain time of day like 4 o'clock in the morning I don't know why (laughs) 4 o'clock it's because she's mean she's mean and she's heartless that's why my muse hates me and she wakes me (laughs) up at 4 o'clock in the morning after days of suffering when I don't know what the answer to the problem in my book is and she'll wake me up and all of a sudden I have to write it then yeah. So, it's very very frustrating. It is. Mm-hmm. It is. Mm-hmm. So, uh so the answer would be no to that one. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely not. But uh the next myth <laughs> is uh writers write their books in blissful silence while gazing out their window to the ocean <laughs> for inspiration. Which I think is is written in a lovely way, but is so far from reality. It's, you know, I I uh, write my books with children usually somebody's crying. It's either me Mm -hmm. (laughs) because the scene is emotional or the book is bad um, or it's the children because they have this thing that they do. I don't know. Those of you with more than one child know this, this fighting thing that Mm -hmm. they do constantly where they don't really necessarily have to have anything in particular they're fighting over. They just like to fight. Yeah. And then I come in and I say, okay, one of them, you know, go to your room or whatever. And the other one is like, no, don't, you know, punish her. Blah, blah. <laughs> Driving me crazy. But yeah, that's typically, it's a very crazy atmosphere. There's there's hours when everybody's at school and, you know, my husband's at work where things are actually silent and calm and under control. But usually I'm, I'm writing with complete bedlam. Mm-hmm. That's right.
1: That sounds about right.
2: And I and I love this question because
1: I'm still trying to figure out like where this came from. Mm-hmm. Was it TV? Was it movies? I mean, who, you know, who came up with this uh idea that that this is the way writers write,
2: you know? Well, you know, I I think that um a lot of movies kind of portray writers as this, you know, very exotic, and they're always bestsellers. Mm-hmm. like yeah. every, you know, yeah. Everybody in the movies, like, it's no fun to do a movie about a mid-list author, because they're basically just sitting around, you know, struggling to get <laughs> in through their life. In their sweatpants and t-shirts. Exactly. You know, yeah. avoiding the bill collectors. They're always like these, you know, bestsellers, and everybody knows who they are, and they can't go to the grocery store, and it's not at all like that. You know, No, it's not. You know,
1: I'm lucky if I can get 15 minutes in one solid trunk without somebody running in for help with their homework or oh, yeah. mm-hmm. wanting to know where the cereal is or to tell me that the cat just threw up on the rug. <laughs> you know, it doesn't get any more glamorous than that. Really? Yeah. Honestly. And as for the view, I have uh, out my window, I have a lovely view of my septic system and two feet of snow. Oh, <laughs> I have
2: a view of um of the root the root the root the root the road. <laughs> I haven't even had that much to drink is what's really sad. I can't even blame it on the booze. I'm just a complete, my my brain is just dead. But yeah, I mean, I've got this, basically I live right off this major road. And so I get the trucks and the buses and, you know, all Mm -hmm. those people going by. Even though I'm out in the country, there's still an amazing number of trucks that like to go just blow by my house. So that's my view. Okay. Okay. And the next one, the next one
1: is my favorite. My Uh all-time favorite is that all writers are rich.
2: Mhm. So Which I think uh, we've addressed a, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and the answer would be no. Yeah. Not yeah. all writers, some writers I some think writers are, are, but uh, some some do very well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is isn't meant to discourage any aspiring writers out there. It's just mm-hmm. that um, unless you write very fast and very well mm-hmm. or you get a break or mm-hmm. you have a publisher who is really backing you, chances are it's going to take a few books to build your name.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And uh, that's just the way the business works. Uh, In order to hit the list, you really need a decent print run. Mm -hmm. And that takes time. And Generally, you start with a small print run. And if that sells well, your print run grows. Mm -hmm. Um, But that said, I personally
2: know writers who do make a good living writing so it's mm-hmm. not impossible. It's definitely not, especially in um in any kind of women's fiction. I'm not talking about the genre of women's fiction, but I'm saying like women are 80% of the book buyers out there. Romance mm-hmm. is a huge huge segment of the business. And so romance authors have a, have I think a better shot than the average of, mm-hmm. you know, of making a living. I mean, not everybody can quit their day job, you know, especially okay. if you don't have, you know, another income in the house, you don't have a husband working or somebody else bringing in some income for you. Mm-hmm. And but, benefits. Um, yeah. Yeah. And benefits. Exactly. <laughs> Which you kind of need. <laughs> yes, it's very scary. But, um, but I mean, the thing about writing, though, is that if you're if you're coming to writing for the fame or the money, then perhaps your efforts might be better spent elsewhere. <laughs> because it's not really, uh, you know, a, a profession that gives you much of that. You know, you mm-hmm. see the movies and you see the, like, Romancing the Stone. And, you know, there's, oh, John Wilde, you are the John Wilde. Like, nobody <laughs> I nobody always laugh you. my butt off I every time I get part. to that one section. <laughs> I know. No, and I mean I love *Romancing the Stone* because in the beginning, when she's all weepy over the typewriter and she's uh-huh. feeding her cat the tune in the can, and then she didn't have any tissues and she's wearing the flannel like that—it's <laughs> exactly what it's like. That's us. After that, there's no reality. There's no Colombian drug lord sending me my brother-in-law's ear. There's none of that going on. But, I mean, the flannel and the weepy and the no tissues, that is totally what it's like. And the cat. Oh, I don't have a cat. Unfortunately, my daughter's allergic, so I can't have a cat, and I'm very sad about that. But, um, but yeah, aside from that, I mean, that is pretty much what it's like. But nobody, right. like, if I went down to South America to save my sister from drug lords, I nobody would be like, oh, Lonnie? You are Lonnie? I read your books. I read all your books. Let's go in my little mule. It just wouldn't, it doesn't work like that. No. No, it does not. (laughs) So, which leads us into the next writer myth, which is that writers are writers because they want to be. And you know what it's sort of true mm-hmm. and <laughs> sort of not. I think that you're um you become a writer because you can't not do it. It's sort of like um. A compulsion, and I think mm-hmm. that you know we hear voices in our head. And for the kinds of things that most people would go seek out a professional and get medication for, <laughs> we actually put it in a book and then try to sell it to other people. So it's, it's basically great therapy. Just, it's a choice of how you manage your particular mental disorder. I think is really what it comes down to. Writers are just managing their mental disorder. That's basically mm-hmm. what it is. Um, so you know, I, I resisted being a writer for a very long time because although I, I loved writing and I've always had a good time with it. And I've, I've um, kind of had an affinity for it my whole life. It was one of those things that just seemed impossible. It was so it was such a weird pie in the sky kind of dream. And it was more realistic for me to go out, you know, get the one ads answer thing and, and you know, have a job. Right. Um, and especially when you've got kids and you've got a family, it's very, very difficult to, to take that risk, you know, mm-hmm. and um, but, but generally, I mean. But a lot of it is I do want to be. I mean, I'm here. You know, as much as I, you know, say, oh, it's tough and it's hard. And there's and it is. There's a lot of real challenges about it. You know, I could do something else if I wanted to. I mean, I could get a job in, you know, another field if I wanted to. I've got plenty of work experience. But mm-hmm. um, but I'm here because this is where I want to be. This is what I love doing. And I, I feel really honored that I'm getting a shot at it. You know, that I get yes. to do this for a living for Absolutely. as long as they continue to publish me, <laughs> which, you know, I'm light and camera. You know, I'm hoping that that will continue. Um, But it's such a blast, and it's such a wonderful experience. And no matter what happens, this will always be such an incredibly special time in my life because I actually got to live my dream. Without sounding, I feel like I should have like you know the Star Spangled Banner (laughs) banner playing in the background. Like I live my dream. (laughs) Yeah,
1: no, it's true. It's true. It's. Mm -hmm. I think. Um. I. I think all writers feel that feel honored to be Mm -hmm. able to. to, to do something that that goes so deep to your soul, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and I think the truth is once you open those floodgates mm-hmm. and once you start, it's damn near impossible to close them again, yeah, and um you know, I'm a writer, I will mm-hmm. always be a writer, uh whether or not I sell books is mm-hmm. beside the point
2: mm-hmm.
1: and, but uh but you know there are days when it when it's just so good, you oh, know? Yeah. and it's so much fun oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. and you just love it there's mm-hmm. just there's just nothing
2: sweeter oh you know, it's, it's it's so wonderful those days when, and then there are days where you're like you know what <laughs> per hour i'd make more at walmart you know and you think I know. and walmart has benefits so <laughs> You know, there it's there are days true. on each side. But, I, you know, as some, I'm, I'm going through the real glory of writing right now. I'm in the middle mm-hmm. of a book that I'm absolutely having a wonderful time with. And so right now I look at it and I just, I I can't believe I'm this lucky. Yes. And B, would fight and claw and scratch to keep it. Yes. So those are the writer myths. And um, please feel free to email us and let us know what you thought. If you've got any other writer myths that we did not we did not um, talk about address. Address, address yeah. is the word I'm for. <laughs> I'm a writer with no capacity to pull the words out. But uh, but if there's anything we didn't address that you would like us to talk about, please go ahead and email us at feedback at com. And we are going to take a break, and we will be back in a minute.
0: For 29 years, Carly McKay has known that her mother was never coming back her father was never going to file for divorce, her little sister was never going to grow up, and that psychics were full of crap. This year, all that changes. From award-winning author Lonnie Diane Rich comes The Fortune Quilt, a heartwarming story about family, psychics, love and quilts, and what happens when they all collide at once. Publishers Weekly calls The Fortune Quilt vibrant, Kirkus Reviews calls it beguiling, and you can call it yours if you just head on down to your local bookstore because it's available now. Pick up your copy today.
1: And we're back. We are back. Want to win some great prizes?
2: Mm Mm-hmm. I do. Oh, okay. Can you tell me how? (laughs) Okay, I can't win these. (laughs) I was so excited I responded. (laughs) I know. Well, I was
1: waiting for you to, Yeah as all of our listeners out there going yes
2: yes tell us how uh, we can win
1: mm-hmm. head on down to willwriteforwine.com and give us your feedback we're looking for reader slash listener questions writer questions wine suggestions if you're over 21 or just general commentary on how you like the show each month and all eligible entries will go into a wine bucket at the end of the month we'll pull a name out of the wine bucket uh, to win a fabulous prize And on tap for March will be two prizes for one lucky winner, a signed copy of Sight Unseen by Samantha Graves.
2: Fabulous, fabulous book, people. It's out April 1st, and it's so good. And I'm not just saying that. All right, you can go on. (laughs) Thank you. You're so welcome. (laughs)
1: A signed copy of the Fortune Quilt
2: by Lonnie Diane Rich, which is fabulous, fabulous. It's Wait, out now. now. You have to say that. I mean, come on. Like, if she was silent after the Fortune Quilt, y'all would be like, "Ooh, that's just mean, right?" Oh, <laughs> no, it's no, okay. It's I know. You, I know you like it. You've been very and look nice for the about pretty it. green
1: cover. It's it is. awesome, It's awesome so awesome cover.
2: beautiful. I love that cover yeah. with the little frog on the quilt. It's so really cute. cute. Yes, it is. So go and buy it now because my kids need shoes. No, <laughs>
1: We will announce the winners for March uh, 2007 on April 7th, 2007. If you're listening to this podcast in the future, check out the website at willwriteforwine.com anyway. We're planning giveaways each month, so you might just get lucky. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And up next, we have the weekly weigh-in. dun, dun,
2: dun, 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 dun. dun, dun, dun. <laughs> We need the <laughs> ominous soundtrack for the, the, the weigh-in, which actually isn't a literal weigh-in. Otherwise, I would not participate (laughs) i'm with you it's a write-in it's what we've written this week because we have to keep ourselves honest and i can't even Mm -hmm. tell you actually how good this has been for me because on thursdays i'm so productive oh yeah (laughs) when i know we take we tape the thing on thursday nights so every thursday during the day i'm like i gotta get some pages (laughs) oh gosh so my my pages this week. I did twenty five pages, and I feel really good about that. Woohoo! I'm very That's very pleased. That's wonderful. Yes, I'm very very. You had pleased. a tough
1: week. You had I, a did, tough week I did. I did.
2: I was in you that. You got sick kids. I did. I know. I had the. I have my my youngest baby, Light, is out with a flu, and she's been doing Poor all buck. sorts of unmentionable gastrointestinal activities all over the place. <laughs> So, um, but she's, uh, she's starting to feel better anyway. So I've had that. And I also was in this kind of weird place in the book. There's just some places where you get to a point and things sort of slow down and you kind of have to wait to figure out exactly what's going to happen next. And Mm -hmm. so I just had to kind of get over that, that hump there. And, um, Mm -hmm. and I did, I broke through and managed to uh, get some more writing done. And I am, I'm coming in on that home stretch good. So very, good.
1: So very good. How about you? What would you do this week? I squeaked in with uh, 23 pages. Wow. I know. I did Fabulous. very well. I was very happy with that That's because uh, mm-hmm. I needed to make up for some pages last week too. So I'm working on the 20 pages a week mm-hmm. no matter what.
2: You're so, so good. And The thing is, I know everybody out there is like, well, she doesn't like 25 pages for her but 23 pages <laughs> is really not a double standard. It's that my deadline is like three months before hers. Right. <laughs> so I kind I have to write faster, or I will she has miss to. my miss my deadline, and also make Sam insane. She calls me every day. She's like, "So," and she's so casual about it too. She's like, "So, mm, I'm just wondering, how are the kids? And how many pages did you get done today? And so, what are you making for dinner?" And it's like she needs to know I wrote in order to sleep at night.
1: So, um, and then and then when you say that you haven't written anything, there's like this silence. I know.
2: She just seizes up because she doesn't want to get all like mom on me, but she can't (laughs) help it i stress her out so much because this is a woman who has like her i mean she's so organized and her books are done i mean Mm -hmm. done a good month two months before a deadline then she sends them out to a a staff of beta readers who read it and give her (laughs) feedback and then she does a revision and then she sends it in whereas meanwhile the words are not even cold i just finished typing them and i email them off to my editor like five seconds before the end of business on the day it's due so uh, so we have different styles, and I think that I upset her. So people, give her some oh, no. good wine suggestions.
1: No. But <laughs> I am drinking wine with you, so
2: I'm <laughs> not sure what that says. <laughs> mm, mm, I wonder what that says. Oh, gosh. Which also, of course, now we've got to move into our next segment, the favorite sentence of the week.
1: Favorite sentence? Mm-hmm. I love this one. Yes, this you is You know, a great because one. it kind of makes me write like a one good sentence. Exactly. So I've got 25 <laughs> of pages 20- of
2: crap, but man, that one <laughs> sentence was awesome. <laughs> uh,
1: and this is mine mm-hmm. uh, Hessler stood beside a puddle of blood where a body had once laid.
2: Ooh, I got chills. Yeah, I yeah. got chills. That yeah. character is some, that's a bad. He, Character He's Hessler. Even, yeah, this He's is, is my bad mean. guy. Yeah, He's this is mean. my bad guy. I know. I know. Man. I'm. I'm actually a little scared of Hessler, and I don't know if it's like the Nazi association <laughs> with the name Hessler. Was there a Hessler? Who was a Nazi? I don't know. It sounds oh, God, like... I hope not.
1: If there was, I'll change his name.
2: No, it's good. <laughs> Nazi associations are good. I'm sorry. Am I offending the Nazis? I'm always afraid I'm going to offend the wrong group, and I I, I don't know why. I, I make lots of Nazi jokes, and... I'll add it to my apologies. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> to my the... Apologies to Nazis? <laughs> And you know what's really funny is that on, on the website, in the show notes, um, all you guys will see if you scroll down, there's like this apologies mm-hmm. to section. And um, and it's always the things that I've said. Like, Sam has no reason to apologize for anything. She's like, apologies to, because uh, Lonnie made fun of, you know, panda bears and whatnot. <laughs>
1: Koala bears. Exactly, because
2: I'm always insulting the koalas. Those koalas always get beat up by me. Anyway, moving into uh, my favorite sentence of the week. Yes, um, what was, was it? uh She pulled out a bright pink dress with big puffy sleeves and a massive skirt held aloft by enough tulle to make little Bo Peeps, little sheep and ticker, give out right there on the spot. <laughs> Now, try say it that was tough to read That was. <laughs> i was like a little sheep losing ticker and that's where i almost got lost but yes it's a it's a it's from a scene where they're going shopping for the dreaded bridesmaids dress and so anybody oh. who's ever had to wear a bridesmaid dress probably can yes. completely identify with that moment absolutely <laughs> All right. Well, that takes care of the dreaded da, 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 right da, in da, da. and favorite sentence of the week, and we're gonna go to break. We will see y'all back here in just a little bit.
0: If a half-hour week of Lonnie and Sam isn't enough for you, we've got some suggestions. First, there's LiteraryChicks.com, where Lonnie blogs with fellow writers and hilarious gals Michelle Kuna, Whitney Gaskell, Eileen Rindell, alicia holiday and beth kendrick every month brings new special guest authors and new giveaways so stop on by for more sam go ahead and click your way on over to samanthagraves.com she's got the latest news contests and some great giveaways there are also links to her blog her myspace page which you got to go there, and the website for our alter ego, C.J. Berry, author of award-winning futuristic romances. So be sure to check out LiteraryChicks.com and SamanthaGraves.com for more from the girls.
2: Hi, thank you so much for hanging out with us. We really appreciate your time. And speaking of time, um, we um, when we first started this, we imagined this to be a 30-minute podcast yeah. because we thought you people are busy and we're not that interesting and, um, and as it turns out we're <laughs> a lot more interesting than we thought we were. Um, and uh, of course I know all of it is really my fault because I'm the big chatter and everything and I'll, I'll try to be better about that next time. But um, but anyway, uh, thank you so much for giving us your time. We really appreciate it. Be sure to send your wine suggestions to feedback at willwriteforwine.com. Send the good suggestions to Sam. Send Cheap suggestions to me. Yes. Um, also, do not miss our cool Cafe Press store. I have to tell you a little something about our logo. It was gorgeous, designed by our own Samantha Graves, yes. who spent I don't know how many hours trying to get that little wine stain just perfect. Just right. And it is- so perfect. And the um logo is absolutely gorgeous and I'm so thrilled with it. And it's on all this merchandise. It's on tote bags and messenger bags and T shirts and hats and aprons um, mugs. Aprons. Oh the apron oh, is so cool. Apron is so cool. The apron is so cool. And I have this mug that I'm actually drinking my wine out of which makes me feel a little <laughs> bit like um you know, those people try to hide their drinking so they put the you know <laughs> The vodka in their coffee, you know, they've got the little mug. Um, I'm drinking my wine out of the mug because I just love it so much. Um, But you can find that at our Cafe Press Store. There's a link to that at uh, willwriteforwine.com over on the right-hand column. That's where you can find it. Cool.
1: And if you like the show, please, please go to iTunes and give us a good review
2: or vote for us on podcastalley.com. Yes, please, because that will help us become more popular, and then all your friends will come and listen to us, too, and it'll be fun. Yes. To
1: subscribe to this podcast, go to willwriteforwine.com. We have links there to help you do it. And you will want to subscribe because next week's topic is those crazy writing Writing acronyms. acronyms. Writing acronyms. GMC
2: and POV POV and all those things. So now you'll be able to talk um, intelligently with all your writer friends. That's right. That's Mm -hmm. right. And we
1: finally decided on a tagline
2: for the end of our show. Yes, it was very hard and I did fight bravely. (laughs) For my very classy tagline that I had last week, which was, um, if the writing doesn't kill you, then the booze probably will, but we've Mm -hmm. left it, and now our new tag is, until until next next week, this is Lonnie
1: Lonnie and Sam Sam saying, saying,
2: if you you can't can't write write for money,
1: money, write for wine.
2: wine. (laughs) (laughs) We did not do that very well, did we? Next week, we're
0: going to do it so much better. So That's come right. back
2: and hang out with us then. Okay. Good night. Bye.
0: We'll Ride for Wine is brought to you every Saturday by Lonnie Dianrich Rich and Samantha Graves. Visit us at willrideforwine.com, where you can find show notes and news about what Lonnie and Sam are up to. Music provided by the good folks at the Pod Show Music Network. That's music.podshow.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, and I'm sure you did, please tell your friends and go vote for us, okay, at Podcast Alley. Or you can write a really glowing review at iTunes, because remember, the more popular we become, the more you can tell your friends you knew us when. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week.